Welcome to Walk Through the Bible, Susan Michaels' 12-month journey through the most exciting book on the planet. It will transform your life one page at a time. Be sure to subscribe for future episodes that will ignite your faith and bring your Bible to life. Now, let's join our host, Susan Michael. Well, hey there. You know, if I had to pick what I think is the most exciting week of our entire year-long walk through the Bible, it would be this week. We are going to be reading and discussing three of the most exciting portions of Scripture, and a whole lot more. So first, welcome to everyone. This is week 47 of our year-long walk through the Bible. This week, we are reading in our daily Bible the dates of November 19 through 25, or the pages 1477 to 1512. So as we get started, let's first review uh, what we talked about last week. We closed last week with the burial of Jesus. It looked like it was all over. The one who had been called King of the Jews was laid into a tomb and it was all over. His disciples didn't know what to do or what to think. And then our first most exciting event this week, of course, is the resurrection of Jesus. And he then appeared on the earth for 40 days. Now, I just want to point out here that Jesus didn't appear on earth as a ghost or as a spirit, but he was a resurrected physical body. It's something that we've never seen or, or touched or we don't understand. Um, it's a resurrected body. He ate. He allowed them to touch him and to touch his wounds, to see his wounds. So it was truly a, a manifestation that mankind really had not seen before. And, uh, you know, I just want to say that uh, as we are going to all be resurrected and have resurrected bodies, uh, in heaven it says that we are there from every top tribe and every tongue worshiping before the Lord. And so that means that even in our resurrected bodies, we will retain who we are, our ethnicity, which tribe we came from, which people group, which language group. And that means that Jesus' resurrected body also retained his ethnicity. He had been born a Jew, and as a resurrected, his resurrected body was still the Jewish Savior who had died on the cross and had the wounds to prove it. Now, during the 40 days that Jesus was on earth, he told his disciples what their commission was to do, what their next steps were, what their commission was, what we call the Great Commission. And I loved it in the Daily Bible because in the Daily Bible, the Great Commission in all three Gospels was put right there together. So you could read the Great Commission in Matthew, which said, go and make disciples and teach them to obey. And the Great Commission, according to Mark, was uh, to go, of course, and preach, and whoever believes will be baptized. And he went on to describe these signs will accompany those who believe. They'll drive out demons. They'll speak in new tongues. They'll pick up snakes. 
not be hurt by deadly poison. They'll lay hands on the sick and they will be healed. So Mark uh, went farther than Matthew and described what these disciples should expect to encounter when they go forth in the Great Commission. And then Luke, his emphasis in the Great Commission was that it would be repentance for forgiveness of sins, that they were to preach repentance and to be forgiven for their sins. Um, so it's interesting. Now there's one other verse that we read actually earlier on, and that was in Matthew 24, verse 14. And it's actually my favorite when it comes to describing the Great Commission. And this is what it says. And this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in the whole world as a testimony to all nations, and then the end will come. So I want to point out here that what they're being told to preach is the gospel of the kingdom. What is the gospel of the kingdom? Well, it's the good news. Gospel means the good news. Um, that's the translation of evangelion, in, in in I think is how you pronounce it. It means um, the good news. So it's the good news of the kingdom. What kingdom? Well, the kingdom of God. And as Jesus went forward, he preached the kingdom is at hand. And so the good news of the kingdom is that the kingdom is at hand and that we can enter into that kingdom now. But also it is a coming kingdom. Get ready. As Luke said, repent, be baptized for your sins. The kingdom is coming. That's the good news. And then it says that this gospel will be preached to all the nations, and then the end will come. So I'm going to come back to this uh, a little bit later. So God, Jesus is spending 40 days on the earth. He gives the disciples their directions, the Great Commission, what they are supposed to do. I want to point out that to, uh, the Gospel of John also makes a very special point to let you know that Jesus had performed many other signs that were not recorded in the book of John or in any of the Gospels. And John 20, he says, but these were written that you may believe that Jesus is Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. So John is saying not everything is written in this book, but I picked what you need to know to believe who Jesus was and is and how that you may believe and receive eternal life. And in the next chapter, John 21, he said, Jesus did many other things. If every one of them were written down, I suppose that even the whole world would not have room for the books that would be written. So John wanted to make sure you knew these stories are just uh, the tip of the iceberg. Jesus did and said so much. I'm so thankful that we have recorded what we do have recorded in the Gospels. But it does make me curious to know what are all the other stories who were all the other people that he touched? What else did he do and say while he was here? And this brings us to our second most exciting event, I think, in the Bible. And we read it in 
Acts chapter 1 and 2. So Acts is written by Luke. It's actually to be a continuation of the Gospel of Luke, but it's where we begin now to talk about the Acts of the early church. And in the beginning of Acts, uh, Luke says here that he says, starting in verse 3, uh, part B, he appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. On one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command, do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So Jesus spent 40 days with them, teaching them about the kingdom of God. How I wish I could hear all of that teaching about the coming kingdom of God. But he tells them, wait in Jerusalem and you're going to be baptized with the power that you're going to need to carry out the commission. So then verse 6, Then they gathered around him and asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? And he says to them, It is not for you to know the times or dates the Father has set by his own authority. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Let's back up. After Jesus has been teaching the disciples for 40 days about the kingdom, what is the burning question on their mind? Are you now going to establish the kingdom? Are you now going to restore the kingdom to Israel? So obviously, Jesus' teaching about the kingdom included a restored kingdom of Israel. And you have to understand, throughout the, the Old Testament, the kingdom of Israel under the Davidic kingdom was actually considered the kingdom of God. It was a kingdom under the lordship of God, and uh, they went into sin and they lost it. But their um, understanding of the kingdom of Israel was that it was the kingdom of God on earth. And they're saying, are you now going to restore the kingdom? And Jesus does not rebuke them. He doesn't correct them, and he doesn't contradict them at all. He says, sorry, but it's not for you to know the time. Instead, you're going to receive the power of the Holy Spirit to go forth and, and carry out this commission. So then it says that um, after he said this, he was taken up before their very eyes, and a cloud hid him from their sight. They were looking intently up into the sky as he was going, when suddenly two men dressed in white stood beside them, Men of Galilee, they said, why do you stand here looking into the sky? This same Jesus who has been taken from you into heaven will come back in the same way you have seen him go into heaven. So Jesus spent 40 days teaching about the kingdom. 
They ask, so are you now going to restore the kingdom? And he says, no, the time isn't now. The time is for you to be baptized in the Holy Spirit and be witnesses unto me throughout Jerusalem, Judea, and to the ends of the earth. And I just want to point out here that the disciples are saying, is it now time to restore the kingdom to Israel, which is Israel's specific calling Israel's calling is to be the mediator of God's redemptive plan for the earth. So through them, he carried out the covenants, and through them, he's going to carry out the establishment of the kingdom of God on earth. That is Israel's calling. Now, he tells them, the timing isn't for you to know on that, but the timing now for the church's calling, you as the church, is to be baptized in the Holy Spirit and go out as witnesses to the ends of the earth. So that's the calling on the church. And here in this piece of scripture, we see the two callings up beside each other. And that means that someone that comes along and tries to say that the church has replaced Israel in the plan of God doesn't understand the calling on Israel and the Jewish people and the calling that's on the church. It's two very different callings, and we see them here in this scripture. Two are very, they're both very essential. They're both critical. They're both very exciting, but they are slightly different. Now, Jesus is then taken up into a cloud, and they say, you will see him return as you've seen him go. And that's is our basic and fundamental belief in the return of Jesus. This is what the angels are talking about. So I find this to be a very exciting piece of scripture that kind of helps bring the pieces together. But that leads us up to the third most exciting portion of scripture, which we also read this week. And that is the outpouring of the Holy Spirit upon those disciples and the early church. Let's read about it in Acts chapter 2. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly a sound like a blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Now there were staying in Jerusalem, God-fearing Jews from every nation under earth, uh, under heaven, sorry. So let's talk about this. Point number one, where did this happen? Well, many people think that the day of Pentecost happened in the upper room. And the reason is because Acts chapter 1 closes with them in the upper room. Acts chapter 2 opens then here on the day of Pentecost. But the problem with this event taking place in the upper room is the fact that they were able to speak to like all of Jerusalem from there. And all of these Jewish people were gathered there and heard them. That would not have happened in the upper room. So let's look closer at the text. When the day of Pentecost had come, they were all together 
in one place, and suddenly a sound like a violent wind came from heaven and filled the house where they were sitting. Well, where would they have been gathering on the day of Pentecost but the temple? The day of Pentecost was one of the three great feasts of Israel. They would have been gathered in the temple. And when it says that the spirit, the sound of this wind filled the house where they were, well, in Hebrew, it was commonly, the temple was commonly called the house, Habayat. And so it could be that this is referring to the temple. And it says that the uh, they saw what were tongues of fire on each one of them, and then they began to speak. And it says, now there were staying in Jerusalem, God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. So uh, why is that? Because it was the day of Pentecost. What is the day of Pentecost? In Hebrew, it's called Shavuot, which means weeks. And the idea is this. Um, on Passover, you begin counting, the day after Passover, you begin counting 49 days, which is seven weeks. Shavuot, weeks, seven weeks. When the seven weeks are complete, the very next day is the 50th day, and that is the day for the celebration of the harvest. Now let's back up. The uh, You have Passover, and then the first Sabbath after Passover and the very next day is considered the Feast of first fruits, And that's when they wave the very first offering of the grain harvest. Then they count 50 days. And on the 50th day is when they celebrate the harvest, uh, the grain harvest. So it has taken 50 days for it to mature. And this is the celebration of the harvest. In Greek, it's called Pentecost, which means 50th. So it's the 50th day after Passover. And Jews come from all over the world, just like they do for Passover, the first feast, Shavuot or Pentecost, the second feast, and Tabernacles, the third feast. So there were Jews in Jerusalem from every nation under heaven, it says. And therefore, when the Holy Spirit fell on the disciples who were gathered together in one place in the temple praying, it was spread about throughout Jerusalem. Many Jews saw this and wondered what in the world is going on because we're here from every nation. We hear all these languages. What is going on? And at that point is when Peter stands and he preaches this magnificent sermon I believe they're right in front of the temple or right inside the temple gates to all of these Jews who were gathered. And it says that in that day, 3,000 were baptized and added to the early church. Now, where would they be baptized? Well, right outside the temple. They have uncovered today, archaeology has uncovered many baptismal, what are called mikvah, and they were the, the uh, baths for ritual purity before you'd enter the temple area. And then down the hill was the big pool of Siloam. That's where many people would go and dip in the waters to be ritually pure to enter the temple. So there was plenty of space 
and plenty of baptismal waters to baptize these 3,000 people and add them to the church that day. All that would have happened right there at the temple. Now, this is exciting. Uh, the Acts goes on to describe uh, the early church in those first few days and weeks, and they were in unity, and they were praying for each other and going from home to home, and they shared everything in common. And it was just the highlight, really, of the early church. And then we have the story of the martyrdom of Stephen. And you're going to be reading it. I'm not going to tell the story, but it's after this that there's great persecution upon the early church, and it actually begins to be scattered out of Jerusalem. But uh, getting a little bit ahead of the story here, but that's uh, the sequence of our story this week and the, the highlight of our, our three events being the resurrection of Jesus, his great commission to the disciples and, and this um, understanding the future of the kingdom coming to Israel and the future of the message of the kingdom that the church is taking place to the world. And then the third great event being the baptism of the Holy Spirit there on Pentecost. So as we close today, I just want to point out something that's even more exciting. <laughs> A little detail in the these three threads of story. What are the odds that Jesus would die on Passover, that he would be resurrected three days later on the day of the first fruits, the festival of first fruits, and that the Holy Spirit would be poured out on Pentecost, or what's known in Hebrew as Shavuot. I was reading an article by a writer just this week, and um, I don't know if he made up the number or if he somehow calculated it, but he said, you know, it's like one in 48 million. What are the chances that these events would take place on these dates? So Jesus died on Passover, at the very day and the very time when the lambs were being sacrificed in the temple for the Passover meal that was to take place that night. The historian Josephus said that at the time of Jesus, during Passover, there were like 250,000 lambs that were sacrificed. That is a lot of lambs. That is a huge operation. And at the very time that that's taking place, Jesus dies on the cross just a hop, skip, and a jump away, actually on the same mountain range as the temple, just over uh, sort of on the edge of it. And on that day that Jesus died on the cross, of course, the sky turned dark and the temple curtain was torn from the top down, that the way was being made clear between God and man, that the curtain was being done away with. That all happened on the day that, that the Jewish people were carrying out the sacrifice to atone for their sins, to, to cover for their sins. Um, of course, in remembrance of the exodus out of Egypt when God had them to kill a lamb and to put the blood of the lamb on their doorsteps and on their doorposts. And by doing that, then the 
the curse passed over them and they stayed safe. And Jesus's blood spilled on the cross that day so that you and I can apply that blood spiritually over our, our lives and we can come into the protection of God and that, that that way is being made open for us through the blood of Jesus on that very day. But then that he is resurrected three days later and he told the disciples that it would be three days. This was prophesied that it would be three days. Well, it just so happens that on that year, that three days meant he was resurrected early on Sunday morning, the day after the Sabbath. And that week, the day after the Sabbath was... uh, uh, or I should say every year, the day after that first Sabbath is the festival of first fruits. It just so happened that year that the day of first fruits was the third day. And so Jesus is resurrected on that day, the first fruits. And the apostle Paul said in 1 Corinthians 15, 20 to 23 now, he said, But Christ has indeed been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. For since death came through a man, the resurrection of the dead comes also through a man. For as in Adam all died, so in Christ all will be made alive. But each in turn, Christ the first fruits, then when he comes, those who belong to him. That happened on the festival of first fruits. And then what is the chance that even after those two events, that the outpouring of the Holy Spirit would have happened on the festival of the harvest? And, you know, just as I explained, Shavuot or Pentecost is 50 days after Passover, when they've been preparing the harvest, waiting for the harvest, the grain harvest. And um, it also, though, was a celebration of the giving of the law at Sinai, because 50 days after the Israelites had the exodus out of Egypt is when the law was given to them in Sinai. So this day is also the celebration of the giving of the law at Sinai. So the Holy Spirit is poured out and begins the harvest of souls that's going to continue throughout the earth. And the Holy Spirit is poured out to write the law on our hearts. Remember, the new covenant was going to write the law not on tablets of stone like in Sinai, but this time it was going to be in our hearts so that we would be guided by the Spirit. We would be guided um, to obey the Lord, the Lord by the Holy Spirit. And this happened just on that celebration. Now, what are the chances? It was all by divine design. Now, let me close. I want to read again a scripture I read earlier because I want you to hear it now in this context. Matthew 24, 14. And this gospel of the kingdom which is this coming kingdom of God, will be preached in the whole world. This is the church's commission. 
as a testimony to all nations, and then the end will come. That is the day that the angels told the disciples he's going to come back just as you saw him go. And the Apostle John saw this and wrote about it in his great vision called Revelation, the last book of the New Testament. One of the very last chapters, chapter 21, this is what John saw. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Look, God's dwelling place is now among the people, and he will dwell with them. They will be his people and God himself will be with them and be their God. We are to go forth and to preach this day is coming. The kingdom of God is coming to earth. This is the day. Repent, be baptized, become a part of the kingdom today so that you will be a part of this glorious return of Jesus and the establishment of the kingdom here on, on a new earth, as a new heaven and new earth. This is our commission, friends. So I want to uh, close today by uh, recommending to you a little booklet. It's actually a small book. It's, it's a pretty quick read, but one you're going to want to study. It's called Israel and the Great Commission. This little book will tie all of this together for you, the calling on the church, the calling on Israel, and how it all comes together here in the Great Commission and the preaching of the coming of the kingdom. So I'm going to give you a link to this book in today's show notes. I pray that you will enjoy reading about these three amazing events this week. And until next week, be blessed. God bless. We hope you have enjoyed this episode of Out of Zion with Susan Michael. Be sure to subscribe to Out of Zion now on Apple Podcasts, cpnshows.com, YouTube, or wherever you like to listen and learn. Out of Zion with Susan Michael is a production of ICEJ USA, all rights reserved.